Welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. Uh, we are at the news desk. I am Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Sleep. And I'm Donald Wine. And apologies in advance for sounding very nasally. I'm battling cold right now, but illness is no reason to not talk. All of the CONCACAF action that's going on. Uh, we've been quiet the last month or so. Apologies. Thanks for sticking with us. I hope everybody appreciated that uh, one more round that we threw up to the public. Uh, nice little taste of that exclusive content you get on our World of CONCACAF Patreon. Uh, thank you to the new patrons who have subscribed since hearing that and saying, I want more of this. So shout out you guys. Thank you for all the support. We appreciate you. And we do have more surprises in store for you very soon. So keep an eye on the socials because there's there's some stuff coming. Lots of stuff. You know, stuff that you can probably see is tangible. It yeah. can be on your person. Yeah. Stuff that thing stuff that some people have been working on for a while. Yeah, stuff that we said we were gonna do like a year ago. Um, but enough about that. Let's let's focus here. There's a lot going on right now, a lot of soccer coming up. I mean Boys, it's a World Cup month, it, which is yeah. fucking, it's insane. Like, I, I still cannot grasp that we're like two weeks away from the World Cup happening. Finally. It feels like we've been waiting for, you know, a million years. Yes. I mean, for us American, you know, soccer fans, it, it has it felt has, has been, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been almost yeah. a decade. So it's, it feels like it was a past lifetime that we were actually like watching our team in the world cup. And soon enough, we're going to see it. Uh, but let's, before we get to the world, let's get to CONCACAF and the big stuff going on around CONCACAF right now. Uh, we had our CONCACAF league final, uh, the 2022 champions of CONCACAF league is Olympia of Honduras. They defeated Alajulense of Costa Rica in the final. Olympia wins 5-4 on aggregate, thanks to a Gabriel Arajo's 88th-minute equalizer in the second leg at Estadio Alejandro Moreira Soto in Alajuela back on November 2nd. Uh, this is Olympia's second title in the CONCACAF League, and oddly enough, it is the last title in the CONCACAF League because this is the last edition of CONCACAF League, which founded in 2017 was supposed to be like the Europa League of CONCACAF. It is being replaced with the new CONCACAF Champions League format. Uh, it's going to start in 2024. Uh, there's going to be a Central America Cup, a Caribbean Cup. Who The winners of those are going to qualify with the teams in the League's Cup, you know, the world's preeminent club competition, League's Cup. Uh <laughs> That's all going to be for the new CONCACAF Champions League format that they announced last year after a few months after they announced a previous new CONCACAF Champions League format. Um, gentlemen, how do you feel about the loss of CONCACAF League? I think for me, it's it's sad in a way that, you know, just like you mentioned, right? The CONCACAF League was supposed to be kind of like the Europa League for our region. And I think that there should be more opportunities for clubs to take advantage of continental competition, whether, you know, I don't think we need a Europa league conference type of deal, but having two tournaments made sense and having it be, you know, kind of a feeder into the big tournament 
also made sense. So I hope that eventually comes back. Uh, I know it's gonna it's gonna take him in, especially with the revamping of uh, of Champions League. But I feel like the Concacaf League can serve a purpose down the road and still being a feeder, you know, of sorts into the big tournament, which everyone obviously wants to be a part of. But again, I think there should be more opportunities for uh, for clubs to take advantage of this. I also think that what kind of did them in is the fact that American clubs and Mexican clubs were not a part of this. And obviously, again, you know, we all you know have teams in the in MLS. Canada, United States, Mexico should always have teams that are always involved in this. And it's not necessarily – people out there, uh, Eric is, is making the money sign, but it's not always about the money. But also for us, it's about the competition, about the opportunity to play other teams and test ourselves outside of our league because that's important too. That helps draw in fans. It helps ex- expand your brand and all these things. But where, yes, money does become uh, involved. But I do think when it comes to – the Concacaf League, it should serve a purpose down the road. I just hope that they eventually get back to doing it and figuring out a way to make it where every team from every single league in this confederation gets an opportunity to play for Europe or not for Europe, but play for like continental competition and play for, you know, it, whether it is a smaller league, a smaller competition to feed your way into the big time one. That would be ideal for me, but it, but right now it's not going to work. Hopefully it comes back later. Yeah. I think part of the issue, and I think, I think we're going to talk some of this more in one more round of like, it's sad to see it go, but like, I think one of the things with CONCACAF league and maybe why it struggled is the fact of like, like you said, Donald, like it wasn't all of the nations. Like you're missing a lot of the, there was no Mexican teams involved. There was no, uh, u.s teams involved and so you're you're losing a lot of the visibility across the confederation and it diminishes the with not having everyone from Concacaf being involved i feel it also diminishes uh the accomplishments of the other teams that you know go on to win that yeah and i guess the unfortunate part is now they're gonna be splitting up they're gonna have the central america cup they're gonna have the caribbean cup like you're not getting crossover where these Caribbean teams are getting to play the Central American teams. And like, especially for some of these smaller teams in these smaller leagues from these smaller countries, like getting to see and scout teams from other regions that you don't like, you're getting a Jamaican team going to Costa Rica. Players could be moving around league to league, and there's that opportunity to see talent. And now you're going to almost be segmenting it. It's going to be their little bubbles. And I think that might actually hurt CONCACAF in the long run. And it's and the opportunity for upsets, right? Like, yeah. we all love the cup sets. Like, that happens in every competition. And you won't have the opportunity where, you know, a, a Mexican team goes to Nicaragua and gets beat. Like, it may be far-fetched, but you want those competitions. But also for those smaller teams in those smaller leagues in those smaller countries – they don't get that opportunity to put their brand on the international stage or at least on the continental stage. And I think that's a shame too. So hopefully they're able to work that out and make it where you have some crossover because that's what fans want to see. They want to see what happens when a Jamaican team plays a Salvadorian team. What happens when a Mexican team faces a Panamanian team? Like we want to see, we just don't want to see Mexico versus Mexico or Mexico versus the United States all the time. Because if we did, we'd, 
like the League's Cup, we could just form a competition where we can just do that. I, I think we want to see more teams taking chances and playing teams that they may not be as familiar with because that is where the opportunity for some of these bright moments to occur. Yeah. Um, Olympia, again, winning the final title. Uh, they had won the first title in 2017 before we had a run of Costa Rican clubs winning in 2018, 19, and 2020. Uh, 2021 edition was peak CONCACAF. Um, oddly enough, Olympia wins the final CONCACAF league title. It's not a back-to-back for them because they had been kicked out in 2021 because as we all remember, and I love to revisit it, Olympia was kicked out of the tournament in 2021 because in a round of 16 match against Inter Mangotapo of Suriname, they won six, nothing in Paramibo. The issue was Inter Mongo Tapo started 60-year-old vice president of Suriname, Ronnie Brunswick at the 10, wearing the armband, where he made history by becoming the oldest player at 60 years of age to play in an international club competition. Yes, the 60-year-old vice president of Suriname, Ronnie Brunswick, played, made his CONCACAF, de- CONCACAF league debut in 2021. Everything was fine, except for the fact that after the game, Ronnie decided to go visit the Olympia locker room and video circulated after the fact of Ronnie just handing out cash to the players in the locker room after the game. Little bit of a no-no paying off the opposing team, but uh, we'll always have that peak CONCACAF memory from the CONCACAF league. It, the league was not for nothing, you know? This is this is the only confederation in the entire world where you can go from being ousted by Ronnie Brunswick to lifting the trophy the next year as champions. You just cannot write a Cinderella story like this. I was going to say it's the only confederation where you would have um, elected officials of the national government participating as a player in international competition. It, He's 60, right? So I, I, I know King Kazu over in Japan is like 55. So we got five more years before anyone can possibly challenge this record from ever from from breaking it. Uh, I don't see it. I don't I don't know if King Kazu is going to get his team into Asian Asian Champions League. But I think Ronnie Ronnie's record is here to stay. I think they also hold the record for being the first team to start have a starting 11 in CONCACAF League featuring a father and son. Because, of course, his yes. kid, Damien, was starting up top in that game. <laughs> Just absolutely ridiculous. So, farewell, CONCACAF League. We hardly knew you. Uh, related to CONCACAF bullshit, we have a Jack Warner update. Uh, our recurring segment on the World of CONCACAF podcast about uh, Trinidad and Tobago's own Jack Warner. We've got a headline out of the Daily Mail in the UK. Exclusive, disgraced ex-FIFA official Jack Warner, who robbed England of the chance to host a World Cup and is accused of taking a $5 million bribe to back Russia in 2018, apologized for misleading Prince William and David Beckham over his vote. That's what he apologized for. So this article, Jack Warner breaks his silence on England's failed 2018 World Cup bid to Russia. So this exclusive interview with Daily Mail, Jack Warner, who's been quiet, trying to stay out of the headlines, 
apologized to England for robbing them of the chance to host the World Cup in 2018. He said, quote, I failed, I erred, and I apologize profusely for that, but I thought it was Russia's time to host a World Cup and I have no regret. He also said to the Daily Mail, quote, where I failed is I should have told England very early of what my intention was. I did not do that, and therefore they were led along to believe I was supporting them. Warner, in his typical Jack Warner fashion, bragged about meeting the Queen, uh, David Beckham, Prince William, who those had they had flown to Trinidad, hosted classes, trying to like get Warner support for the bid. Uh, Warner also said, I met the Queen, I met her husband, the Queen gave me her plane to go to Ireland. England was very good to me. Now, the big takeaway for me out of this Daily Mantle feature is Jack Warner also says he will be supporting England when they take on the U.S. in the group stages in Qatar. He said, quote, it doesn't matter to me who wins, but if you ask me that twice, I'll tell you, England, because America has done damage to me and my family, and therefore I'm pained with America, so I hope they get knocked out first, but beyond that, I don't care. <laughs> so the Daily Mail also reached out to the FBI, who declined to comment because they didn't comment on active cases. Um, Warner also continued to claim he has been harassed by international media since the FIFA corruption scandal erupted. Um, Warner finally said, Quote, the media hates me. I can never get a fair trial. So that is why I've never spoken. Jonathan, was, how do you feel? How do you think England feels knowing that Jack Warner is like, I'm sorry I lied to you? Um, I honestly don't know if they, they, they give a shit. But I'm also, I mean, I'm very, I have conflicted like feelings on, on this whole thing. Because on one hand, um, I... Jack Warner sucks, but on the other hand, um, fuck England. Yes, and the I mean, fact, I mean, point. The, the fact that the Queen got scant. I mean, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I can I can respect the hustle there. Now, the thing for me is, like, he's not sorry about the fact that he lo- he's not sorry about the fact that he voted for Russia. He's not sorry about any of the bad things he did. He's hiding for in Trinidad for. He's only sorry they misled David Beckham. You know, he thought they were buddies, and he 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 realized that Bex really thought that Jack had his back, and Jack didn't. And like that's the only that's the only thing he's sorry for is making David Beckham feel bad. Jack Warner sucks. Related to this. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Netflix is about to release a documentary um, uh, based on the FIFA corruption scandal um, that's supposed to drop on November 9th. Uh, it's called FIFA and Uncovered. Make sure you tune in for that. Jack Warner says he did not participate in an interview with Trinidad and Tobago Newsday. Uh, he said, "He, I'm not aware of it, and I don't want to be aware of it. It really doesn't interest me. Well, Jack, it interests me. So, Donald, do you have any closing thoughts? Jack Warner sucks. Thank you, Donald. All right. On to current events. We did want to talk about, there's some injury news over the weekend. 
with the World Cup approaching, uh, obviously it's the middle of the season in a lot of leagues around the world. All these teams not only are trying to prepare for the World Cup, are just trying to stay healthy. Uh, there's a huge scare in Germany as Canadian star Alfonso Davies went down with a hamstring injury. Bayern recently said that he should be okay for the World Cup, but he will miss some time for them. Uh, we saw Maxime Crepeau, the Canadian goalkeeper, in the MLS Cup final go down with a minor injury. <laughs> um, and uh... <laughs> Yeah, just a minor one. Yeah, and U.S. left back, reserve left back, uh, Sam Vines, uh, go down. What was his injury again? I believe he fractured his leg or something. Yeah, fractured 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 leg. Yeah. Uh, So he'll be missing the World Cup. Guys, do we have any thoughts on these injuries and how teams are supposed to prepare for this tournament, not knowing who's going to be healthy? I think it's, it's unfortunate, but we have to go way back. Right. Like the reason why all these injuries are accumulating are not because necessarily because the World Cup is approaching. It's because we had covid. And since covid, we have basically decided to, you know, make guys play every, you know, 32 hours. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you think about it, there have been so many games so far this year and they had a shortened break because they had, you know, stuff in the summer. They had a shortened summer break. They had a very, very, very long year before that they had a shortened break a very very long year before that and and is we see it in the women's game as well like it, it, with their world cup approaching like they just there's been no time for bodies to heal and every single time a guy goes down with you know a, a ingrown toenail they have to miss five games because there's five games that they would miss because of that because they're just right back to each other so when you do have a significant injury you you got you get guys missing out on some very important things, and I think it's in the and also in the rush to play as many games as possible so that the World Cup break doesn't affect their leagues. These these clubs have put a lot on these players, and as a result, you're seeing guys get hurt at the worst possible time. And you mentioned just the guys that we think are going to be out. We're not mentioning the guys like Weston McKinney who might who who could be back, like. Uh, you know, Chris Richards, they're talking about he could be back. Like, guys who have been hurt. Luka Delatore De De might hurt, be back. Is hurt. Like, uh, those guys who I think, could be coming back. But I think, though, to say, like, I mean, COVID is definitely a part of it. But, like, I mean, in the European leagues, they had to start early. The fact right. is, like, we and, like, we have jam-packed in so many games because of the fact, like, I mean, Champions League, normally doesn't wrap up until the end or the the middle of December and then we have that break but i mean we've the, the group stages are already completed because of uh and then you i mean you just can have continued they've added more competitions uh and um you know then once one guy gets injured then like you're having to play other players more and it's just it has been a snowball effect i feel there's not a single nation that won't be missing a um at least one player uh and in some instances some nations missing huge key players um as well yeah no i'm i mean costa rica their their butts are puckering right now uh i don't know if you guys saw keeler navas <laughs> yeah that was doing the finger motion keeler navas uh was not including the champions league squad for their group stage game against juventus because of a lower back injury 
Um, so that's which he's had before, and he yes. actually had it. I'm pretty sure during the Gold Cup, which is why he was uh, affected quite a bit during that. You think yeah. he also uh, subbed off against the U.S. You know during World Cup qualifying because of a lower back. That's yep. right. Yeah. So they're saying that he should be fine, like he's on the squad. Um, but yeah, if you lose a key player, and that's about as key of a player as you can get in this confederation. Um, yeah, it, your chances could be greatly affected. And we're seeing it in other teams around the world that are already missing key players. Fortunately, I don't know if CONCACAF has been hit very hard yet, but, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, they haven't been hit very There's been a – there was a thing going around middle of last week of, like, what the t- a team of, like, injured players would look like. Uh, I mean, and that team could damn near win the World Cup. Uh, I mean, you have guys like Team of Averner, Diego Jota, uh, Luis Diaz, um, Reese James, uh, Giorgiano Wijnaldum. Like, I mean, it's a there. There is a list of uh, Paul Pogba that are all going to be missing the World Cup. There's also also if you think about it, right? Like in a normal World Cup, when it's in the summer, there'd be guys who are done when they finish the World Cup. They still get their like two month break. So it's like you you see like a staggering of guys returning to their clubs based on how far their team made it in the World Cup. That won't happen this year because on December 18th, the, the finals being played in, you know, for England, like Boxing Day, they're like they're coming back a week later and saying everybody's back play, playing, you know, three games basically in the span of a week because that's what they normally do around the holidays. So that is going to be a major test for folks. And again, guys aren't going to get their rest until next summer. Uh, I mean, for the most part. So it's really been, and, and you know, honestly, we got to give credit to the players for for the guys who are able to tough it out and really maintain their bodies and keep themselves as healthy as possible. Uh, because that's a, I don't, I think that's going to be something that people are going to need to write about down the road, because that's a feat that, you know, it, it's hard for us to watch these games. We, we talked about during qualifying, like traveling to three cities and in the span of a week was tiring, much less playing 90 minutes each of those times. And these guys have been doing that for the better part of two years. It's, it's really going to be, uh, a, a war of attrition essentially for some of these guys as we get to the, uh, the world cup. Yeah. Now, Donald, you did mention that players aren't going to get a break until next summer. I don't know if they're going to get a break because next summer might be actually be more important than this fall. Uh, yeah, sure. You've got the world cup this November, but next summer you've got not only the CONCACAF nations league finals, which, you know, arguably bigger tournament, more important. Uh You also have the CONCACAF Gold Cup, which is returning for the 2023 edition. And I do want to point out that it was recently announced by CONCACAF that the Gold Cup final, they're ripping it out of their its true home, Las Vegas, Nevada. It will be held at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California uh, in the summer of 2023. Tickets are actually already going on sale which is the dumbest thing ever because nobody knows who's in it and no one knows where any of the other games are, but they're putting that one game on sale. Um, How do we feel about SoFi stadium getting this massive, massive game? Play soccer outside. I think technically it is an outside stadium. It just has a glass roof. I don't know if it's it's not covered. It's not covered. It's not a dome. It's It's just a glass ceiling. 
Is it glass or is it like some sort of other? I think it's a translucent. It's a translucent thing, but like the the is basically it's like um what is it? It's like a pavilion. Like the sides are open, so it's not like it's a it's a building that you enter. Like you like like a legion. It it has a roof, but it's not. It, they have outdoor elements that are involved. They mentioned that during the Super Bowl when this, like it was an unseasonably like warm February for LA when they had a, a couple, you know, a few months ago. But uh, I, I think honestly, like the stadium looks really nice, so it'd be nice to check it out. Um, but I, I think yes, I want to see Concacaf be better about announcing venues. Like yes, announcing the final is fine, but. As you mentioned, Eric, it means nothing if we don't know anything else about the tournament. Like, <laughs> at least tell us the cities that we're going to like that you can see. And as fans, we can kind of plot out, OK, here's where we think like Mexico is going to be. Here's where we think the United States is going to go. But it, it makes no sense to announce a final. And then I, I don't even think they're talking about announcing venues until like February. So, yeah. like, what is it? What is announcing the final do to us? Like, it doesn't help us any. Uh, except for maybe those of us who are going to the Women's World Cup. I c- we can plan a, a stopover in L.A. on the way to New Zealand. But I, I don't see, uh, while it's a great announcement, it should have come with more, at least, announcement of venues or or dates, what have you, so that people can start planning. Well, also, don't they have to fix the issue? I mean, I guess they didn't really have they didn't really fix it with the Legion either, but the fact that the field isn't wide enough for soccer. Yeah, like, I, don't that, that was, mm-hmm. I don't believe that was. I don't think that's a, been fixed yet. Because that well, was we'll a whole, see. <laughs> that was a whole thing about like why they couldn't do some World Cup games is the fact that like the stadium isn't big enough technically. Well, they got the World Cup, right? LA so, did, yes. So it's, it's going so to get far fixed. As expected, it's going to get fixed. It's just a matter of when. I don't think next summer is the answer to that question, though. I, to to you know piggyback off of Jonathan. But there's con- but there's Concacaf field dimensions and there's FIFA field dimensions. So FIFA has set dimensions that you're like a range that you're supposed to stay in. Concacaf is whatever the fuck works. Where do you Where do you want to play? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. sorry, you well, can't can play with this. They adjust. You actually can pay money to adjust field size. Yeah. You you can't play on this field that has a wall on the side, not because the wall is there, but because it's a little too close to the field. So if you just move it in a couple of move the, the lines in a couple of feet, the wall is fine. So just, you know, keep that in mind when you draw the when you draw the field. Looking forward to SoFi Stadium getting the Gold Cup final. Not looking forward to not going back to Las Vegas because that was a good time. Um, but speaking of Los Angeles. We'll wrap this up with one more key thing, key event in around CONCACAF, that MLS Cup final. Uh, MLS, America's top division, has their final. Los Angeles FC defeats Philadelphia Union and penalties to win the MLS Cup, their first MLS Cup, in honestly a very CONCACAF game. Uh, That shit was dumb. It was so dumb. So dumb. LAFC goes up 2-1 in the 83rd minute on a Jesus Murillo goal, only to have Philadelphia's Jack Elliott score an equalizer in the 85th minute. We go to extra time. Canadian keeper Maxime Crapo breaks his leg trying to stop a breakaway, gets a red card while he's carted off. LA goes down to 10 men. 
Philadelphia scores 124th minute go ahead goal in yeah, the 124th minute. No, 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 no. Call it what it is. That was the game winning goal. That should have been the game winning goal because in literally like 99.9999999% of games, they had already called it is the latest scoring goal in the history of any knockout competition until. Yeah, until because obviously Maxime Kripo, we mentioned how he broke his leg. Yeah, he was on the field for 10 minutes. So they added nine minutes of stoppage time onto extra time. So we're playing on and Gareth Bale, you know, the guy who's played in like champions leagues and things in Europe, 128th minute posterizes Jack Elliott, six foot six scores the tying goal late in stoppage time. We go to penalties and Philadelphia native, Backup keeper for LA uh, just goes off, stops all the penalties that hit the net. Philadelphia does not score in the penalty shootout. LA wins 3 0. LA wins their first trophy. Guys, this game was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I think the other thing to keep on to also just like from the length of the game. There were seven minutes of stoppage time in regular time as well because of <laughs> because of goals and injuries. Uh, yeah, and then we get the ten minutes of stoppage time. Um, I mean, I just think the biggest shame is that it the timing of this uh, MLS Cup because at least in the Southeast uh, you had the UT Georgia game uh, and a few other like it was it's three p.m. on a uh, college football Saturday right in the thick of it um this was like one of the most like perfect you know um advertisements for the league and and i would say the region too because like i mean that shit was peak Concacaf. um just i mean there was goal scored there was you know people faking injuries there was i mean it was just it had everything Look, it yeah. was i love it dearly Look, the you mentioned the college football games that were affected. The, the biggest college football game that affected it was USC because USC was playing right next door and took all of the parking for people for the game, so they couldn't <laughs> even park at the stadium for MLS Cup. And, and to I mean, if you convert, I mean, first of all, like the game itself, just I, I was watching, uh, I watched it kind of on my phone from the Miami tailgate, which was a world in itself, but. Just the last 10 minutes are just like, again, just so wild. Like Gareth Bale becomes the first person ever to score in a Champions League final in an MLS Cup final. <laughs> he's the first player ever. I'm pretty sure he's the first player ever to win uh, a Champions League and MLS like in like consecutive years, essentially. Or actually in the same year, because if you think about it, he won with Real Madrid in in June. Yeah. <laughs> one MLS Cup in that November. didn't happen, Donald. Champions League, Champions <laughs> Sorry, League didn't Sorry. Champions League didn't happen this Sorry, past year. They canceled it for some reason. Yeah, but like I, I mean, if you converse that to you know, I was at the NWSL Championship just a weekend ago, which was awesome. It was right here in DC. That game was at night, eight PM on CBS, and you know it drew a million people. Which you know, comparing that to college football means nothing. But you know, again, if you put sports on TV, women's sports on TV, they'll watch it. And I, I feel like 
this could have been better served by having this game on at night because especially in LA, right? The glitz and glamour of that being a night game would have been yeah. ridiculous. I know it would have been a little bit later, but like having it like 8 p.m. as opposed to like the height of college football uh, competing with it. I want to see what the ratings are because I want to see if people were watching this just wildness that occurred in the midst of all this college football was being played. Well, like I think related to that, the game went so long and Fox was televising it. It went into World Series pregame coverage. Right. So there were a lot of people probably tuning in to hear about all the pregame stuff for the World Series, which a Philadelphia team was in. And now that you mention it, that's probably why the game was at three, because if Fox was hosting it, they couldn't have done that. So, yeah, that makes sense. But you had all these people tuning in. It's like, oh, the coverage is starting. I want to watch pregame. And they're getting this bananas stoppage time nonsense. You know, the keeper going down with the injury, they won't show a replay of because it's so nasty. The dramatic goals, the penalty shootout, like they barely they cut away as soon as they could after the trophy got lifted to go to pregame for it because it's like this is the World Series. So, I, so shout, I want to say shout out Philly. Um, first city to lose two major fine major championships in the same day. Uh, after losing uh, the World Series as well, um, and then also going f- what full Nashville in the uh, in the penalty shootout, um, not making a single one. Yeah, that was absolutely brutal. I mean, it's a Gazdag that went first and he slipped on yeah, the turf. He slipped. That sucked. Um, the other takes were really poor. But like, just a I reminder: th- stutter steps. People that stutter step are cowards. Yeah, every stutter it, step it never was saved or miss. It never works. I'll um, ask you. Let me ask you this question, guys, because right. we talked about it being on Fox and it being it like basically sandwiched in the middle of a lot of different stuff, right? Because it was college football, the like noon football game that they usually hype as their biggest game of the day. Then it was MLS Cup. Then it was the World Series. Do you think that it would have been better served to move to MLS Cup to the evening to like 8 p.m. Eastern time, but put it on FS1? Or was it better? To, it, was it more important to have it on Big Fox? I think it was more important to have it on Big Fox. You want it on network television. You know, if FS1, no one knows where FS1 is. No one's tuning in unless they're intentionally tuning in. If it's on Big Fox and people and most of America is flipping around those channels, you want it there. Um, yeah. yeah the, I, the tough part I would is agree, just, Big Fox. Just with the sports calendar, like, yeah, we're talking about going against college football, going against uh, the World Series. What are they going to do? Play it on Sunday? Where well, the other the other thing is that the other thing is that normally, I mean, we've had some of these years where the where the MLS Cup has been this first weekend in November, but they've also had it where it's been in the first or second weekend in December after college football was done after the conference championships, but before the bowl game start where there's kind of a sweet spot where there's really nothing going on on Saturdays. And I think, you know, also they want to get this done obviously before the world cup as well. They didn't want to have it come back and play in, you know, January play the MLS cup because, you know, they, they forgot to finish it before the world cup started. So again, that's the, the whole, this whole schedule congestion is probably what led to this, but I feel like next year, they kind of lengthen the season because we've talked about uh, the off season being too long for a lot of these guys. Maybe they're going to, you know, go back to that, you know, middle December uh, game and just hope that it's in a city that can handle it weather wise. 
or traffic wise that you have parking. That you have parking. That would be <laughs> that would help. Uh, I think just overall, and we saw a lot of people saying this on Twitter. Honestly, the greatest MLS Cup final that we've ever had. Um, you can only hope that. Like, if you had to distill the MLS experience into one match for people, this was it. Just absolute bananas, nonsense, uh, great atmosphere. Play was questionable, but the game was entertaining, you know? Just classic, prototypical MLS. Uh, so congrats to LAFC. Uh, I know Giorgio Chiellini was probably dreaming of winning an MLS Cup from when he was a little kid. Uh, finally achieving that goal and shout out Kellen Acosta getting that goal. Uh, good to have that confidence heading in, into Qatar. Shout out Kellen doing that for both teams. Yeah, yeah. with the just, one, with the own goal, with the own goal. No, no, I was just saying that you know the media thought that he was playing for oh, the yeah. Union. I, was oh, yeah. I don't even want to talk about that. Like, that's just nonsense. <laughs> we gotta get people paying attention here. All right. Hey, before we go, can we yeah. end? Can we talk quickly about? I know we didn't talk about the NWSL championship because it was a week ago. Yeah. Um, but it was a great weekend. Uh, obviously, it was here in DC. Uh, a lot of people turned up for a lot of listeners, uh, a lot of patrons. Uh, so, shout out to everybody who was in town for the game. Uh, but I, I want to speak quickly about it because, you know, one, it was a nice spectacle. I'm glad that Ally stepped up to make it where it was a marquee event and made it, you know, 8 p.m kickoff on CBS. It made it where it was, uh, it at least for us in the stands and hopefully for people who watched at home, it made it where it felt more like an, uh, like an event instead of just a, oh, this is a soccer game. You should watch it. Uh, and I think that like hopefully we have more uh, sponsors and more leagues decide to say, hey, let's put these on in prime time. Let's go up against some of these, t- these sports that people think we can't compete with and see what happens. And the result is everyone got a pretty good game out of it. We got Sophia Smith just absolutely just, you know, saying, hi, I'm the best player on the planet. Come and stop me. And no one could. Um, and we had some great, great play on both sides of, the, of the, uh, both teams. And I think just overall, everyone who came had a wonderful time. And just that whole thing about going to a final, you know, we see we hear a lot about the festivities and stuff from MLS Cup. But MDFSL Championship had just as many festivities. A lot of people came out. A lot of you know celebrities turned up, and a lot of fans of the game came and packed Audi Field. So uh, I just wanted to shout out everybody who was here. Uh, hopefully, everyone enjoyed the weekend. It was a great time uh, getting to see so many people come in. And honestly, let's do it again next year. Uh, you know, wherever wherever it ends up. Yeah. No. It honestly great to see the game get that kind of glitz and glamour um well deserved for that league it's been a tough year for women's soccer and to have it wrap up like that is good to see good for everybody uh but we will also wrap up our episode here uh before we do i do want to let everyone know by the time you're listening to this if we haven't already soon this week we're happy to announce that we finally have merch we've got merch on the way, the World of Concaf store merch is available. So you can support the podcast and support Concacaf soccer. It, the vibes, the vibes are available. 
for purchase. Um, go to our social media. It is, and it's a vibes-based economy. We are, we live in a vibes-based economy and shirts cost money. So, you know, get all of the gear, great, great holiday gifts, you know, for your aunts and uncles, you know, stocking stuffers, stocking stuffers, um, gifts for your boss, you know, get them a nice world of CONCACAF shirt, you know, whatever you want to get. But that is available now. We've been talking about it for fucking years, it feels like. And we are good to go. Thank you for the patience. Patrons, on our Patreon, there will be a uh, special discount code for you for supporting us. So we're going to save you some money. And appreciate your support for supporting the podcast. Um, Speaking of supporting the podcast, if you want to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcacaf, P-O-D-C-A-C-A-F. And follow us on socials, podcookaf on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Donald, where can they find you? At Blazing DW. And Stars and Stripes FC. And Stars and Stripes FC at Stars Stripes FC. That's right. And Jonathan, where can they find you? They can find me J Slape SSP and at Broadway Sports Media. Find them there. Find us here. We will be finding more content for you in the coming days, weeks, because we've got a World Cup this month. Unbelievable. Thanks for tuning in.